0: Hello and welcome to Sean White's solar and energy storage podcast. The title of today's podcast is Electricity Basics Part 2. So energy comes in many forms, from kilowatt hours to joules to cheeseburgers, a gallon of gas. We will see how you can convert these different energy containing forms from one form to another, such as how many cheeseburgers are in a gallon of gas, you know, as far as energy is concerned. Also, we will get into the speed of electricity, that's how fast it travels, Ohm's law, horsepower, the NAPSEP PV associate or PVA exam, and PV module level rapid shutdown for PV systems on buildings. To have fun and learn so much more about solar and storage, go to solarsdan.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and it is time to get your energy and power in place. Yes, that's right. Power times time equals energy, and we are gonna talk about energy units. Energy units, except for watt hours and kilowatt hours, aren't necessarily going to be on the NABCEP PVA exam. However, it is a good way to get across the point of what energy is. It is something that you can store as to power is a rate. So James Joule, he came up with the watt second. That is power times time equals energy is a watt second. Well, a watt That's very small by today's standards, and so is a second, because time flies. We've got 3,600 seconds to an hour, we've got 1,000 watts to a kilowatt, and that would give us a kilowatt hour being 3.6 million joules, or sometimes we call that 3.6 megajoules, which is a number that you actually do see in the National Electrical Code in Article 706 Energy Storage Systems. So, some other forms of energy is a calorie. A calorie is the amount of energy it takes one gram of water to heat up one degree Celsius. 1000 calories is a food calorie. One kilowatt hour is 860 food calories. And now if we look at cheeseburgers, which are a common form of energy that most of you are familiar with, those are somewhere around 430 calories. And now let's convert that to a gallon of gas which is 33 kilowatt hours. By the way, if you are using an ice, that's an internal combustion engine, most of that energy goes out of your tailpipe and out of your radiator as heat. It doesn't push you forward, which is one of the reasons why EVs are so much more efficient than ices. So we've got about two cheeseburgers per kilowatt hour after doing the math. So the next time you're filling up your tank, just think that that is about 66 cheeseburgers per gallon. How many cheeseburgers are you putting in your tank? Remember to conserve. Just think if our bodies could take in sunlight or gasoline, how much easier it would be not having to eat all the time. One more form of energy, a lot of you see it on your utility bills. It's called a British Thermal Unit, also known as a BTU. There are 3,412 BTUs per kilowatt hour. And that's the amount of energy to raise one pound of water, one degree Fahrenheit. Now we're getting into some stuff that you could perhaps see on a PVA exam, the amp hour. It's something that is getting to be less common. An amp hour is an amp for an hour. It's not telling us what energy is, but if we multiply amp hours times volts, that will give us energy. Amp hour times a volt is a watt hour. You should know that, and you should also know how to convert that to kilowatt hours. If you're buying old-fashioned lead-acid batteries, which you might see on the PVA exam, you're oftentimes given information in amp hours. So you would have to multiply times the volts of the battery to figure out what your watt hours are. If you had a 12-volt battery versus a six-volt battery and both were 100 amp hours, the 12-volt battery would have twice as much energy because it has greater volts. To me, I think of amp hours as being old-fashioned. You might have had a mechanic or somebody that lived on their boat or their RV and they got a 1 amp light and they wondered how many hours it would run on their 12 volt battery. And these days with energy storage systems, they give it to you in energy. A modern day lithium ion energy storage system these days would perhaps be about 10 kilowatt hours. That's 10,000 watt hours, folks. And they'll also give you the specifications in watts. That means how much it can push out all at once. That's the rate. So what do we call amp hours? We call that battery capacity. Kilowatt hours, we call that energy. Amp hours is sort of like energy without the voltage. And we can do algebra with these different things. Amps times volts equals watts. Watts times hours equals watt hours. Amps times hours, that's amp hours times volts equals watt hours. Watt hours times a thousand, that's kilowatt hours. Get familiar with your simple Algebra so a little bit about moving decimal places in the solar industry. This is just metric stuff This is something that you'll also be familiar with from your computers from your hard drives And what we have is the small K is kilo and that means 1,000 for the big M that is mega and that means 1 million or a thousand thousand It's all about moving the comma three spaces and then if you're looking at giga, that's a thousand million which is a billion, which is a capital G. And then Terra is a capital T, and that's a thousand giga, and that's a trillion. Another interesting thing is sometimes you see European data sheets, and instead of using commas in their numbers for like one comma, zero, zero, zero for a thousand, they'll put the comma where the decimal is and the decimal where the comma is. So if you ever see that, that's what that is. That's European. I like cobblestones. Common NABCEP associate exam question, They want people to know that there are 746 watts to a horsepower. I actually ride horses a lot with my mom and my daughter. I think that there's more watts in those guys. One of the reasons why they might want us to know about a horsepower is because pumps are often measured in horsepower it's sort of like three 250 watt modules is a horsepower and so if you're trying to sell a pv system to a redneck you tell him how many horses are up on his roof and so therefore a three kilowatt system that's 12 solar modules is going to be a four horses up on the roof you got four horses up there you got that okay i always like throwing in something interesting the speed of light is about the speed of electricity transmission. Remember that voltage is pressure, exam question. And when one electron pushes on another, it sort of sends a wave. The electrons aren't really traveling at the speed of light unless you're at one of those nuclear accelerators. When you push on one thing, it affects the thing next to it. And with alternating current, it just goes back and forth. With direct current, it goes in one direction. Nothing in the universe travels faster than the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. 300,000 kilometers per second. The sun is 93 million miles away. And so that means that it takes light 500 seconds to get here from the sun. That's eight and one third minutes. So if we do a little bit of math and divide the speed of light by 60, and by the way, Nikolai Tesla came up with that number, 60. Our electricity is at 60 cycles per second. In America, however, most of the world has 50 cycles per second. We can see that in one pulse of a sine wave, that electricity could cross the entire United States of America. Ohm's law. Ohm's law. V equals IR. Voltage equals current times resistance. If your current goes up, so does your voltage drop. The resistance, when you're talking about voltage drop, has to do with the thickness of and the length of the wire a wire that is long has more resistance than a short wire a wire that is thick has less resistance than a thin wire and when you're talking about voltage drop you're not talking about the voltage of the system you're talking about the voltage loss typically when you're talking about ohm's law and solar you're talking about wire loss, so losing power from the resistance from having a wire that's very skinny or very long. We kept that resistance of that wire the same, and then the sunlight gets brighter, our current goes up. The current goes up, so does the voltage loss. Having more resistance is not going to give us more voltage, it's gonna give us more voltage loss. And so that's what's kind of confusing about Ohm's Law. It's not something that's gonna be big at all on any kind of entry-level NAPSIP exam. So I wouldn't worry too much about Ohm's law, but the V is for the loss of voltage, voltage drop. It's not for giving us voltage or else we would just get free power all the time from having small wires, which doesn't make sense. If you're talking about wire loss and Ohm's law, if your current goes up, so does your voltage drop. So you would say that that's a proportional relationship. Current goes up, voltage drop goes up. And so that is Ohm's law and it's about resistance. So resistance to current. Resistance is measured in ohms. Upside down horseshoe, the Omega, not to be confused with horsepower, no relationship. Resistance to current and a light bulb, or a heating element, or electric motor, those would be resistance devices, cause resistance, and that makes them heat up and do things like make light and heat up. Also, a shaded PV cell causes resistance. In the early days of solar, what would happen is a leaf would fall on a solar cell, and you'd have all these cells in series, the electricity would wanna flow through there, the current, and it would heat up, and it could actually potentially catch that leaf on fire. And so what they did is they put these little things in the backs of the junction boxes of modules, called a bypass diode and it can skip shaded cells and it also helps with efficiency with shading. So if there's a shaded solar cell, you can skip that cell or that group of cells. You skip a group of cells due to a bypass diode because of a shaded solar cell. So there'll be resistance that current can't go through. So it's got an alternate way to pass through. Most of our solar modules are divided in thirds. And then also an insulator. So anything that's insulating, like insulating wire or air, is a great insulator, has lots of resistance. And a semiconductor doesn't know what it is because it thinks it's a insulator and it thinks it's a conductor and we trick it into making power by capturing electrons from the sun. It's neat. There is something that's called resistance testing. It's kind of complicated for a beginner PV class, but I'll just kind of say it anyway, is what they do is they take a big pulse of voltage on that conductor and they see how much of it escapes to ground. And so some of it always sneaks through because nothing's perfect. And so some of it will sneak through and they measure that. And if it's too much, then that means that's bad insulation somewhere on that wire. And so the copper, very low resistance. It's good for transporting electrons. And the more copper, the lower the resistance. That's why we use bigger wires for more current. And insulation around there, High resistance, high resistance to current, and we don't like current to go through that. And different types of insulation for wire can be rated for different voltages. Higher voltage rated wire is gonna be better at stopping those electrons for escaping through there. Also different insulations around wire can take hotter temperatures. If the insulation can take a hotter temperature. That means that that wire can carry more current and heat up more. If the temperature gets hot, like an ambient temperature, what happens? is we can't carry as much current in a hot place. And if we bundle up a whole bunch of wires and throw them in a piece of conduit, piece of pipe, it can't take as much current because that piece of pipe can't dissipate the current as much. And then we wanna make sure that our wire is thick enough so we don't lose too much power through that wire. Okay, finishing off with just some interesting stuff. Many of you probably have already heard of module level rapid shutdown, and that has to do with the National Electrical Code 690.12 Rapid Shutdown for PV Systems on Buildings. So if you're putting a PV system on a building and following the 2017 National Electrical Code or later, you pretty much have to put something underneath every solar module to shut it down at the module level so that firefighters won't be afraid to go and save your building. Two different types of module level power electronics are microinverters and DC to DC converters, also known as optimizers. A lot of the NABCEP test questions will be for systems that don't have electronics under the modules, but sometimes you do have electronics under the modules, and most of the time in North America you do have electronics under the modules to comply with the rapid shutdown requirements of PV systems. So they call them power optimizers or DC to DC converters and microinverters when they convert DC to AC underneath the solar module. Now, if you listened carefully, you have a basic level of understanding of electricity. Congratulations. Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more about solar and storage, online solar classes, books, all kinds of stuff, go to solarshawn.com. That's solar, S-E-A-N, dot com.